Hello and welcome to the DevThink Podcast with your hosts, Sean and... Nicola. And today is time for another links episode where we share some links that we've been saving up just for you. All right, uh, Nicola, you want to go first? Sure. My first link is titled Escaping Tutorial Purgatory as a New Developer, where the guy, Tony Mastrorio, I believe... Of course, I read it wrong. Uh, he goes in and explains how he used to do stuff before. So he would want to, you know, do some side project or something. And then first he would go through all of these, you know, tutorials, Udemy videos, this videos, that videos. And of course, when he went through all of this, so for example, you know, if he learned 100 things, he would forget easily 50, you know, and in the end, all that he learned wasn't applicable. So what he start, started doing is starting actually the project that he wanted to do and then kind of like on the fly finding out things that he doesn't know currently, right? So I definitely agree. I think that this is how you actually should be doing stuff. And also, because here's the thing, and this is something that we already talked about, it's we tend to retain information that we actually find valuable at the time when we're kind of like needing it or the information that we get from outside that we actually currently find applicable. So yeah, I really think that this, the way how he explained it is really the way how we should be doing things where actually brings us back to the school, right? So why are we learning so many things that we someday may need whereas the truth is half of it maybe even a lot more we won't yeah it kind of reminds me of that uh, just in time learning uh article we discussed recently so uh as developers we all know about readme files they tell you about the product what it does how to use it why you might want to use it that sort of thing and apparently there's this trend going on called manager readmes where managers ceos people in you know kind of managerial roles will write kind of a user guide to dealing with them like what days are they available when they offer certain types of criticism or feedback how they mean it how they want you to take it how it to best phrase something so that they'll take it the way you want them to take it instead of you know maybe getting upset or defensive it's kind of a interesting idea and I think it really makes sense. If you understand yourself well enough to write this up, why not give people a tool to better deal with you? Because if you don't, they'll see the behavior that's different than the way they would do things. And they would automatically assign blame to you that, you know, this guy's a jerk or whatever, when in fact people are just different. Cool. So was that a link or something? Yes. It's on Hacker Noon. It's called 12 Manager Readmes from Silicon Valley's top tech companies. Awesome. And as always, we're going to have these links in the readme notes. Uh, excellent. So my second link is from a guy that it seems like it's a recurring. I tend to have his links basically every week. Let me guess, James Clear. Exactly. James Clear. And this time it's what every successful person knows but never says. And it's about uh, Ira Glass. I think I didn't pronounce it wrong. And it's about what basically nobody tells you, nobody tells like the beginners 
and like that you now when you're grown up and everything and you're you know also supposedly successful what you wish people would tell you and it goes on it's actually of course short post but short and to the point and it's good and it tells you you know what your work when you're starting off no matter even if you're really doing it quote unquote as you should so you know putting it out every week working on it really good the chances are your content or whatever it is that you're doing it's gonna suck at the beginning but at some point it's gonna start getting better and it from that point onward it's just gonna keep on getting better of course if you work at it but of course in this post it's summarized way more nicer than i just said it that was my second link excellent yeah it reminds me of some of the stuff i've been reading in a book called mindset which we'll definitely get to in another episode uh, but you can't judge yourself by your output on something that you're new to so my next one is uh from medium um, Pinterest engineering, it looks like posted. It's called three day, no meeting schedule for engineers. And it's exactly what it sounds like. They talked about an experiment where they decided that on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, it's impossible to schedule engineers for any meetings. They're booked nine to five on their calendar for an event, no meetings. And they talk about, you know, productivity and how people reacted to it and things like that. So interesting idea, especially for people who hate meetings or see them as an interruption. Awesome. And did they see like any, did they measure anything? I mean, obviously I'm going to read it, but yeah, they asked people like if people feel more productive and 91.9% said yes. And they asked them if they felt that the no meeting schedule was respected and they actually got an 80%. And they also have a lot of actual comments that people posted in response, like within the company as a result of the, the change awesome yeah this reminds me of the fact that i mean we are knowledge workers right and all these data then when you are uh kind of like you're working on something and then you get interrupted and then it, you take or well, you need i don't know 15 20 whatever minutes to get back in the quote-unquote zone so with this yeah it could be something right yeah i think the biggest negative feedback was they said it doesn't get rid of the meetings that's just that you spend most of monday and friday in meetings, which obviously sucks, but if they're actually necessary, grouping them together to avoid interruptions does sound good. And we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the one of our links to do with do developers getting interrupted. Does interrupting developers cost a lot more productivity than interrupting other kind of knowledge workers? So it's definitely a thing that is a real problem that's on our, our minds quite a bit, apparently. Yeah, and actually, uh, this is actually one thing that one of our friends also said that, you know, when he knows that there is a meeting coming up in when he's working, he's like, oh man, you know, he, and he's kind of like thinking about that meeting, that upcoming meeting, and he can't focus as much on the, you know, task at hand. And it seems like this, especially when you have, let's say two meetings during the day, it kind of like breaks your day apart and it's just, you know, it feels wrong. So this idea where you literally know that nobody will, drag you into a meeting during one day from the developer's perspective. That's awesome. Yeah. I have the same problem. Like if I'm writing code, which isn't really part of my day to day very often anymore, but back when I was writing code every day, if I came back from lunch and I knew that I had a meeting in say 45 minutes, I would really feel like there's no point in even trying to get into it because by the time I did get into it, 
it would be interrupted. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, my third link is titled How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Working Capital. Uh, the title is a bit, you know, weird. Uh, it's actually from uh, Ethan Agrawal, uh, who is actually a founder and CEO of Aptiv, uh, which is a digital health company with, you know, as it says here on Medium, uh, nearly 200k paying members. I think that ever since the post was published, probably they got even, you know, more of them. I mean, good for them, right? And actually, so this whole post is about how they were really growing as a company, like really growing meaning you know double every year or something like that or even more um and then but the fact is they were burning a lot of cash and i believe that there's data point here that one month they were burning 2.4 million dollars so even in my books per month that's a lot and how they were able to turn around that in 19 months so he goes in and he speaks about you know things that they did in order to turn that around and basically have more cash than to actually burn it and two things that stuck out were since they of course have an app that they're selling it was that they started offering the subscription on the website whereas before they only had it in you know the apple slash google store which take uh if i'm not mistaken at least 30 percent and the second part what was the second part i honestly can't remember so yeah dear people go in and read the actual post and hopefully you will retain it longer than i did i know there was some second part to it maybe i remember when you're gonna tell me your third part well link yeah before i do that though the there is a movie it's a very famous classic movie called dr strange love from 1964 and the subtitle of it is or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb and so anytime you see a blog post or anything that starts with how i learned to stop worrying and love insert thing here it's a reference to that movie so, so i actually remembered yeah <laughs> great see uh Go figure. Uh, they increased the price of monthly plan from ten to fifteen dollars. Why? Because they wanted to drive people more towards choosing yearly. Because of course, long-term value of a yearly user is way better than from the monthly user. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. My last is the Socks of Silence. That's S O X, which is a command line tool and also a library for audio file manipulation. There are libraries for. Python and C and other languages, also a SOC standalone tool that you can use. And if you read the documentation, it's amazingly complex with tons and tons of great functionality, but it's not all that easy to understand. Like just to do something simple, sometimes you have to provide three or four parameters, which are just digits or percentages. And unless you already know enough about audio production to have an idea of what they should be, reading the documentation and seeing what flags it needs doesn't really give you enough information to do this. So even something simple like trimming the silence from the beginning or end or middle of a file is something you would think is pretty straightforward. You just do like silence dash beginning or something, but no, it's, it's more complex than that. So somebody did a lot of research and gave a bunch of working examples for removing it from the beginning, the end uh, recording until there's a certain amount of silence, removing all silence, um, different length of period of silence. So they, 
they really give you, they did all the hard work. So it's the Socks of Silence by uh, Jason Navarrete. And it's actually from 2009, but I've been using it um, a lot myself the last couple of weeks due to a project I'm working on. So I'm glad it's there. Cool. Which means that in this particular space, there weren't any development or is it, did it reach its peak? I don't know what you mean. So you're using this certain, you know, tool, right? Aren't there any better tools since, you know, 2009? I don't know. I'm not an expert in this, but I know that socks is still very commonly used and popular. And I don't know, think it's a matter of there being a problem with the tool. It's more that the problem space actually is in fact complex and they really couldn't dumb it down and be as powerful. So probably something like curl or wget where there are a few simple commands that you can use very easily without really learning anything, but to do anything advanced, you kind of have to understand how the underlying technology works. In this case, uh, waveforms and audio signals. Cool. Cool. Great. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DevThink podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at DevThink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast.